Our dream for a church focused in on loving God and loving people began so many years ago. Sarah and I longed for a church that was Jesus-centered, kingdom-minded, real, relevant, non-judgmental, fun, honest, and really helped people who were hurting. These first six years of Prodigal Church have been the best six years of our lives, and we are hoping for, praying for, and working for the next six to be even better. As we near the end of 2023 and look forward to 2024 and beyond, these last 40 days of the year, we're gonna be doing a year-end giving push to further grow, expand, and build the ministry of Prodigal next year and beyond. Future dreams that we're giving to, okay, a permanent facility, we love meeting at the Bullard High School Theater. It has been such a great fit. And we also have a great team of people in the real estate world and in the church world looking at creative ways for us to move into a permanent facility. Though there is nothing imminent, uh, we want to be able to move quickly when the right door opens up. The second thing we're giving towards is more staff to meet needs. As we continue to grow as a church, so do our needs. So we'd like to invest more in our current staff as well as invest in more staff. One of our areas of needs is our student ministries. Right now, Pastor Addison is working with grades six through 12 to create one ministry that will equally minister to a sixth grader and a senior in high school is probably impossible. So we're working towards bringing someone on to take care of sixth through eighth grade while allowing Pastor Addison to focus solely on high school students. We are so blessed to have such an incredible team at Prodigal and more resources for training, investing, and developing our staff would greatly further our impact. And then finally, acts of justice, mercy, and love. We want to invest more in our current work in Southeastern Africa, adding more missionaries to our monthly support, as well as sending future teams to Malawi. Uh, the needs here in Fresno and Clovis are also big, and so more and more families are struggling, and Prodigal works alongside of them. Now, we certainly can't meet every need in our community, but we'd certainly like to meet more. Would you consider a year-end gift to help us make a bigger impact in 2024 and beyond? Do you have a business that needs a large write-off in 2023? We really believe that the vision of Prodigal Church is worth your investment. We've sent letters out to our church that you should be receiving soon, or you can donate online now on our app or our website and select 2023 year-end gift. Your gift is tax deductible and will appear on your 2023 contribution statement at the end of January. Thank you so much for your generosity. We can't wait to see what God does next year. Merry Christmas. We love Christmas at our house. We love Christmas at our church. And we're excited about our new Christmas series, The Songs of Christmas. Throughout this sermon series, we'll explore some of the history and theology of some of our greatest Christmas songs. Now, I realize that not every Christmas song is an actual Christmas song, okay? Just because it's cold outside and you wanna snuggle next to someone, you know, next to a fireplace, it doesn't mean it's a Christmas song. Yeah, it's a good song, but it might not be Christmas. I remember the first time I actually learned the words of the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. 
But there are other Christmas songs where we mishear the lyrics. And so I thought it'd be fun to share some of the most common misheard lyrics from some of our famous Christmas tunes. Okay, number one, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Okay, the misquoted lyric is, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer Walking Home from Outhouse Christmas Eve. Okay, it's from a long time ago. Silent Night, Round John Virgin, Mother and Child. Deck the Halls, Deck the Halls with Bras of Holly. Okay, Poor Holly. Okay, she doesn't have any support. Frosty the Snowman. The misquoted lyric is Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corncob pipe and a butt and nose. Okay, I don't think he had a butt. White Christmas, where treetops glisten and children listen to hear slave elves in the snow. Slave elves. Uh, and then finally, deck the halls. See the grazing mule before us. I thought they were great. Now, we're all familiar with the songs of Christmas, and today we're going to be looking at the story and theology behind the song, We Three Kings. Now, it's not quite as popular as the other carols that we're going to be looking at throughout this series, but a great carol nonetheless. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. As a child on the playground, did anybody grow up singing the inappropriate version of the song? Okay, it's a little bit like 99 bottles of beer on the wall. It was, we three kings of Orient are, tried to smoke a rubber cigar. It was loaded and exploded, boom! We two kings of Orient are, tried to smoke a rubber cigar. It was loaded and exploded, boom! I, one king of Orient are, tried to smoke a rubber cigar. It was loaded and exploded, boom! Silent night. Okay, I don't know, am I the only one? Okay. Uh, the song's composer was John Henry Hopkins Jr. He lived from 1820 to 1891. Hopkins wrote the carol around 1857 based on the story of the journey of the Magi in Matthew chapter two. We don't often sing the other verses, but the other verses of this song are actually written from the perspective of each of the wise men. Only verses one and five are to be sung as a trio, verses two, three, and four are sung as solos from each king. Now, I don't want to ruin anybody's nativity scenes, okay? But there probably wasn't three. We get the number three because there were three gifts from the Magi, but we're never told how many Magi there actually were. It's unlikely that only three men would make the extremely long journey to Bethlehem. It's more likely that there was a large caravan. And also, they weren't kings, okay? The three kings are like grape nuts. There's no grapes and there's no nuts. And in the Bible, they are not three and they are not kings. Now let's read what the Bible actually says together, found in Matthew chapter two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The word of God for the people of God. There is a lot of lore and tradition when it comes to the Magi. By the eighth century, these Magi or wise men had been given names, okay? Balthasar, Melchior, and Gaspar or Caspar. Did you notice that they, the church actually named the wise men? Not only named them, but each king then re also represented a nation. Uh, Balthazar was the king of Arabia or sometimes Ethiopia. Uh, Melchior was the king of Persia and Gaspar, a king of India. The lore of the Magi continues in the 12th century when the Roman Catholic Church claimed that they found the three skulls of the Magi. They did not. Uh, the lore continues today with the song that we're studying. In much of the Spanish-speaking world, they see the three kings in a similar way as many see Santa Claus. Every Christmas Eve, they show up at your house, they park their camels outside, they give you presents, and you leave food for them. That's the lore surrounding the Magi in other places around the world. So who were these Magi and where did they come from? They probably didn't come from many countries. Most likely they came from the same country, Persia. Matthew tells us that they came from the east. Well, that could be a lot of places. It means any place east of Jerusalem. And there are lots of clues that lead interpreters to their Persian origin. But one of the most interesting comes from the seventh century. Seventh century Middle East was much like present day Middle East, war and violence. In the year 614, the Persians from the east came into Jerusalem and destroyed all of the churches. They destroyed the church of the Holy Sepulchre, the church built on the place where Jesus was crucified. They destroyed that church. They destroyed the church of the Ascension. They destroyed all of these churches and they marched into the church of the Nativity, the church built on the supposed place of Jesus's birth. And when they got to that church, on the wall was a mosaic. And on the mosaic was the wise men from the east coming to see the baby Jesus. And the conquering Persian army looked at that mosaic and the Magi were Persians. They were dressed exactly as the invading army was normally. And they said, that's us on the wall. And they did not destroy the church of the nativity because they recognized 
Those are our people who came to recognize the birth of Jesus. Now, what even is a magi? The Greek word is magos, a kind of Persian or Babylonian priest, wise man, teacher, priest, physician, astrologer, seer, interpreter of dreams, soothsayers, sorcerers. And over the years, they have come to be known as wise men or kings, but magi in the ancient world were much more in the realm of magic, science, or astrology than they were politics. And they weren't Christians. Okay, there was no such thing. And they also weren't Jewish. They were most likely followers of Zoroaster. Okay, they were most likely a part of a different religion altogether. Now, what might the Magi story tell us about how God looks at people of other faiths? Christians are often all too willing to make pronouncements about God's judgment upon those who have a different faith, a different religion. But this text seems to say that God cares deeply about people of other faiths. And just a quick encouragement for us as followers of Jesus. You should be in relationship with people of other religions. You're not sinning in doing so. And you should be able to listen and love them. And if you can't listen to them, you're probably not doing a very good job of loving them. You should be able to agree to disagree in a Christ-honoring way. May it be so. Now, there are some references to Magi in the Old Testament, most prominently in the books of Esther and Daniel. Esther chapter 1. Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times. Here we find out that the Magi were experts in matters of the law and justice. They understood the times. They studied the stars and tried to discern what the stars might be saying. They weren't kings, but they did advise kings. Then there's this amazing story in the book of Daniel. Daniel is this Hebrew man living in the palace of the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon has a dream. And so he summons all the wise men, all the Magi of Babylon. And he says, tell me what the dream is and what it means. And they're like, we are happy to do so. Just tell us your dream, we'll interpret it for you. And Daniel's like, nope, nope. I have firmly decided that I'm not going to tell you the dream. And if you're legit, surely you can tell me what the dream is and then also interpret it. Daniel 2 verse 10, the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. So then Daniel prays to God to give him the vision, and that night, God does. So he goes before the king, tells him his dream, and then interprets it. And then look at verse 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him, and made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, and placed him in charge of all its wise men. 
the wise men, the magi, love Daniel, right? He saved the day. Daniel, a Jewish follower of Yahweh, became the leader of the magi. So almost 600 years before the magi ever come to offer gifts to the Messiah, Daniel is leading them, teaching them about a future king that will be born to the Jews, teaching them the signs of the appearing. And for 600 years, the Magi watched. For 600 years, they studied the stars. Why? Well, because of Numbers chapter 24. Here's another prophecy. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Daniel taught the Magi about a future king represented by a star in Israel. And then also Daniel taught the Magi, Isaiah chapter 60, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And so for 600 years, the Magi, these priests slash astrologers slash magicians who probably serve another God are still searching for signs of the future king. And then one night, the low ranking magi, okay, the one that was put on night watch, the lookout, after 600 years of staring at the stars, this night watch magi says, I see it guys, 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 wake up. There it is. There's the, the star that Daniel taught us about. The ancient world, innocent of streetlights, never forgot the night sky. And the Magi studied the stars like an art form. They believed that everything was interconnected. And when something important was happening on earth, you could see it reflected in the heavens. And so these Magi saw something in the heavens that night that led them to conclude that a new and great king was been born in Judea. Now, various theories have been put forth on what this star was. Was it a, a comet or a supernova? Some scholars believe it was when Jupiter and Saturn aligned as they did in 7 BCE. Uh, and Jupiter was the royal planet and Saturn represented the Jewish people. So when these two planets aligned, these astrologers came to the conclusion that a king must be born in Judea. The word star in Numbers 24 is the same word as the word glory. Same word used for the Shekinah glory of God. And it literally means a great shining forth. So is it an actual star or was it a great shining forth of the Shekinah glory of God? The answer, of course, is yes. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. O oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Now they have a thousand mile journey across 
incredibly difficult terrain to bring gifts to the newborn king. They have been waiting 600 years for this. Do you think they only sent three on this epic journey? So they arrive in Jerusalem. They go straight to King Herod. King Herod, evil king, okay, bad dude. He longs to wipe out any threat to his kingdom. He was so evil that before he died, he knew no one would cry for him. So he issued a decree that uh, when he dies, children in Jerusalem should be slaughtered so that there will be great mourning in Israel when Herod dies. So Herod says, hey, wise men, after you guys find the newborn king, come back, let me know so that I may worship him too. The Magi never returned to Jerusalem. They offer gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they return to Persia a different route. These Magi had the correct allegiance. Their allegiance was not to the king in the palace. Their allegiance was to the king in the manger. Their allegiance was not to the king wearing royal clothing. Their allegiance was to the king wearing a diaper. In the Gospel of Luke, his retelling is about the shepherds and the shepherds were pointing towards God's concern for the humble and the lowly. Matthew's telling of the story includes the Magi, and it points towards God's concern, not just for the Jewish people and not just for the lowly, but for all people. Jesus was not only the king or savior of the Jews, but of everyone. The story of the shepherds and the Magi tell us that whether you are poor and lowly, like the shepherds, or you are wealthy and influential, like the Magi, we are called to draw near to Jesus. You are probably not called to cross field and fountain, moor and mountain, to follow Jesus, but surely you're called to cross the street. Surely you are called to cross your own bias to love someone different than you. If we are pursuing Jesus, we will cross every kind of barrier in our pursuit of him. What is Jesus calling you to cross today? I'll close with this poem. If you had been a lowly shepherd who heard the angels sing, would you have left your sheep alone to find the baby king? If you had been the innkeeper pressed and hurried since the dawn, would you have done the best you could or told them to move on? If you had been a wise man, do respect and courtly graces, would you have left it all behind to search in unknown places? We cannot know what we'd have done if we had been there then. We only know what we do now when chances come.
God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the first Christmas. God in a bod, showing up as a humble king in a manger, not in a palace. Thank you, Jesus, for your example and for your call on our lives to join you in this mission of bringing about your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to love everybody always. We need you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next week, we continue our sermon series, The Songs of Christmas. We pray for grace and peace among you and your family and peace in the Middle East.